Hello and welcome to another episode of the NK Active podcast. I'm joined by Charlie, one of our podiatrists here at NK Active, and this episode is all about gait analysis. So Charlie, what is gait analysis? Gait analysis in its simplest form is the study of locomotion, so how we walk or run. Yeah, and that's it. It is super, super simple. It's not any more complex than that. So talk us through the different types of gait analysis out there. So there's um, 2D. So this is us as health professionals observing an individual walking or moving, and that may be getting them to walk down a corridor away from us and then towards us. As 3D looks at using technology, which involves markers that we place on different joints that might be the hips, the knees, the ankles, and using a camera system that then measures the angles and movement patterns that produces a a large set of data that we then interpret for the patient yeah you effectively just build a skeleton of someone don't you and it's it's the same thing that's used in things like avatar planet of the apes just to build the incredible hulk and everything on those lines and then you then also have got pressure analysis so you can look at the relationship between the foot and the pressure and, and, and and the floor as well so but the most common is the sort of 2D, so using your phone or your eyes, and then you have the more sophisticated 3D. Mm. But actually, I don't think it really needs a debate. It's all about the right tool at the right time for the right person. They each have their pros and their cons. 2D is very quick. You can literally just grab out your phone and they've all got slow motion capabilities these days that you can you can use. And there are certain elements that you can reliably and repeatably look at and analyze on 2D. So if you want to look at cadence, how many steps you take per minute, you can do that of 2D. If you want to look at how your foot strikes the ground, you can do that in, in 2D. But if you want to start looking at rotation and angles, then you can only really do that on 3D. Unfortunately, you can't draw any angles on a 2D get data set of gaze analysis because you need all three dimensions to complete that, that angle. And then it also then gets us nicely onto kinematics and kinetics. Now, they are two big, horrible, sciencey words. But essentially, kinematics is the measurement of angles and motion. Kinetics is a measurement of forces. Now, the reason this is important is because any form of 2D, 3D gaze analysis is looking at measuring the angles and the motion that is occurring. However, unfortunately, just to make life really, really complex is we can't always correlate the angles and the motion to the forces going through the muscles. And the easiest way to describe this, this is why this whole notion around if you got to wear photothesis, you want to make everything straight. It's just a load of old rubbish, to put it bluntly, because we know you can change the forces going through a structure without changing the angles. And then there's also, we know, well, if if something's rolling in and you think it shouldn't be, well, just because it is, it doesn't mean that then the forces are increased. And, and this is why it's really difficult to actually correlate gait analysis to injury. So to turn around and say, if you're going to run on your toes or your heels, for example, it's really hard to say that by doing this, you are going to get injured. You may get injured, but it's unlikely to be related to the way that you are running. It's slightly different if once you have an injury, there are certain patterns of motion that may 
contribute to that injury not settling down or settling down as quickly as you like, but actually just to look at the way someone's walking and running and say, the way you're walking and running, you're going to get this injury later on. It's unfortunately, the science doesn't back, doesn't back that up. So then moving on nicely is, well, actually, when and how do we use it? And then clinic then, Charlie. Yeah, so for clinic, I guess if I'm seeing a patient who has had a series of niggles, so maybe hip, knee, foot or ankle pain that's come on and off over a period of time and it seems or appears to be driven by movement and activity, then that's a good indication that actually we may want to look at the locomotion of that person to then see are there any small or quick changes that we can make to their walking gait or muscle structures that can help make that process a little easier on their skeletal system. And we almost have our own internal system here at NK Active of when we do gait analysis because we do have a 3D system supplied to us by Run3D, but not every patient that comes through the door actually gets the gait analysis because they don't need it, even though sometimes people perceive they they need it. So how do we decide whether someone gets a gait analysis or not? So we have to think about what is the mechanism of injury? What is the likelihood or contributing factors to someone developing pain? Is it due to a training error? Is it due to a trauma or incident injury? Um, or is it due to something like overloading over a period of time? Yeah. So to put that nice and simply, is, is it very much like a three-pronged approach? Is If you come to see us in clinic... And you turn and say, right, I've got an injury, got a niggle in my knee or my ankle. I've gone from running five miles a week to 50 miles a week. Then that's a too big increase. That's what we call a training error. And it's most likely not related to your gait. It's most probably more related just because of some errors in the way you manage your training structure is more related to that injury rather than the way that you are running. So we don't jump into doing gait analysis on you then. We sit down and we speak to you about how to train and and get that loading better. If you come in and said, I've got ankle pain, but I was running along and I sprained my ankle, and this is when the symptom started, after I sprained my ankle, then we know that injury occurred due to an episode of trauma. So again, don't really need to be looking at gait analysis. However, if you come in and say, right, I've had this injury now, my training error, my training load hasn't changed. I haven't had any trauma. It's been niggling on for a while. And actually, when I think about it, I've had a load of multiple injuries and niggles in the past. For us in clinic, that's the perfect time to then look at doing gait analysis. So then that then leads us on to gait analysis for the pain-free individual, because we've got a lot of questions and requests about this. What are your thoughts? So you can see Nick, or you won't be able to, but Nick is smiling like the bigger Cheshire cat smile at me right now. This is a horrible question. So yeah, thank you very much for that one. So um, for me, I am on the basis that if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. And it, it, again, it, it's nice and nice and simple. I can most probably count on one hand the number of times we've done gait analysis on pain-free individuals. Now, you could get down the road of gait analysis and trying to improve performance, but that's a whole different episode. That's a whole different kettle of fish. It's when you're looking at doing gait analysis and pain-free people, as you say, it's if you're running and you haven't got any symptoms, that shows us your body is coping with what it's doing. If anyone makes any change in inverted commas to improve something, 
when you actually then may change it that your body can't cope with that so there's a risk that actually you could increase the risk of getting an injury and the ones that we have done it in the past on it's always been the caveat well this is what's happening now and we'll combine it with some strength testing as well and normally the recommendations are around about how to improve their strength and conditioning side of things but any elements with the gates will say well this has shown us x y and z we're not going to change it because you haven't got any issues however if you start developing problems in the future we may want to look at this in the future and another way to think about it is if you have any scanning x-rays mrays on you you may have heard of the phrase you treat the patient not the scan and if you take something along the lines of osteoarthritis it's really difficult to correlate the severity of of osteoarthritis to pain and symptoms and function so we have patients who have bone on bone osteoarthritis within their big toe or their knee and they can still happily run marathons so just because it's there it doesn't mean it's going to cause a problem and it's the same with gait analysis you treat the patient not the data that the gait analysis brings up. And I think what you realise is that there's huge variation. There's lots of ways and running patterns that people can move. And it's appreciating that there's not one way of moving that's best, that you can move multiple ways in different patterns and variations and still get the same outcome. Yeah, exactly. And people talk about this four foot, everyone should four foot strike to reduce your risk of injury or everyone should hill strike and hill strike is the root of all evil. When you actually look at the injuries, it doesn't reduce your risk of injuries you just get different injuries so the injury risk doesn't change it's just just different so the other thing is we always say think about is have we actually been thinking about gait analysis in the wrong way in the way that it's actually used to help educate yourself as as patients so sort of charlie talk us through about what, what why do we think we have we been thinking about it in the wrong way? So I think for us, we've been thinking about gait analysis is, yes, the study of locomotion, but also it's that conversation about it can produce a lot of data that we can then relate back to the patient that can actually support some of our clinical decision making, but also some of the patient education to help our patients understand and now understand why certain interventions have to be put in specific orders or done in a certain way to help them achieve the goal that they've set for themselves. Yeah, and I've always called that sort of emotional buy-in. So you help to get that emotional buy-in because you'll have some people come to clinic and they'll say, I overpronate in inverted commas. People that know me know I hate that word, um, but it is a word that is still out there and is used. And this is what's causing my, my issues. But then you then look at them running, you look at them walking, you say, well, actually, I can't see any major issues with foot function or ankle function actually when we look at the hip and then we look at the hip strength there's actually more things that we need to possibly work on up there so it's sometimes really useful as a tool to say well you've got a foot problem but actually the problem isn't really starting from down the foot it may be higher up the body so it's i think it's, it can be really helpful in then showing people that actually you need to just not just look at the foot when you're doing a gait stance you need to look at the person as, as a whole as well and then try and take everything into consideration and the gait analysis i think can be helpful in educating people on why that is so we can show okay x y and z and i think when people have data that is personalized to them 
I think it can be really helpful in them understanding that treatment journey because here at NK Active, we we're very, very big on if you're going to go on a treatment journey with us, you have to understand our thinking. You have to understand why we are asking you to do X, Y, and Z. Because if you don't understand, the chance of you following that treatment plan, I think, are less. And if there's less of the chance of you following the treatment plan, I believe the less of the chance there is of you getting the outcome that you want, wherever that may may be. So if we look at summarizing, and su Charlie, is, do we think gate analysis is a useful tool? Yeah, so it has its place and it can be really useful to help patients where movement patterns may be contributing to some of their symptoms. Yeah, and I think that is really nice summary and I'll even take it even simpler. I think, it, yes, it's useful for the right person at the right time. So I just want to say, Charlie, thank you for coming on there another episode as always if you've got any comments please do get in contact please do subscribe to the podcast and we shall see you on the next episode see you later bye bye